The Stability of the Monarchy under Edward VI So how serious were the problems caused by the minority of Edward VI? In 1543, Henry VIII had issued a Third Succession Act, which confirmed that if Edward died without heirs to the throne, it would pass to Mary and to her heirs, with such conditions as Henry VIII shall state by letters under the Great Seal or in his last will. And should the Lady Mary die without heirs, then the crown shall pass to the Lady Elizabeth and to her heirs, with such conditions as Henry VIII shall state by letters under the Great Seal or his last will. This Act reversed earlier succession acts, which excluded both Mary and Elizabeth from the succession, although their illegitimacy was not reversed. As Henry VIII's health declined during 1546, he was aware that Edward would come to the throne as a minor. Henry wanted to try to avoid disputes and ensure a peaceful succession, and therefore confirmed the Third Succession Act. Henry's concern about political stability had also been apparent through his attempts to establish a Regency Council that was balanced between the Reformists under Seymour and the Catholics under Norfolk and Gardner. However, events in the last years of Henry's reign had undermined this and left a Reformist-dominated council. So what problems did a minor on the throne create? Hugh Latimer, writing in 1549, quoted the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Woe to thee, O land, where the king is a child. Although this appears to suggest that Latimer was concerned by the prospect of a minor on the throne, this is an example of needing to know the context of a source. Latimer made this comment in a sermon to Edward, the majority of which praised him. There had been previous examples of minors on the throne of England in the previous centuries, and an examination of their reigns raises some interesting questions. Henry III came to the throne in 1216, aged nine. There was civil war after he came of age, but during his minority, the unrest that had resulted in Magna Carta was ended, and the country was ruled well. Richard II came to the throne aged 10 in 1377. He was deposed by Henry Lancaster, Henry IV, in 1399. However, it was Richard's rule after he came of age that caused disquiet and his eventual overthrow. Henry VI succeeded to the throne aged eight months in 1422. His reign was characterised by the Wars of the Roses, However, they did not begin until after Henry came of age. During the Regency, England was relatively stable. And Edward V, aged 12, succeeded to the throne after the death of his father in 1483. He was imprisoned in the Tower and probably murdered on the orders of his uncle and protector, who became Richard III. There were concerns that the rule of a minor would create instability. Edward would not be able to lead troops into war, and this could be vital as other states might look to exploit the potential weakness of a minor on the throne. However, not only was there the threat from other countries, there was also a fear that England would return to a period of civil war as had been seen during the 15th century in the Wars of the Roses. 
This possibility was made more likely if factional struggles similar to those of Henry's last years developed as a minor would be unable to control them. In an age of personal monarchy, there were also concerns about the image of the king. As a nine-year-old, it was difficult to portray him as powerful or military adept, whereas in the past, coins had been used to show Henry VIII in this way. This can be seen as a concern, as in 1553, the pattern for a new coin showed the king on horseback and no longer a child. Despite these possible drawbacks, it is also important to remember that Edward was not a sickly child when he came to the throne, and there was every expectation that he would reach adulthood, marry and have an heir. Although Henry had wanted a regency council to rule, Somerset's assumption of power was natural and unsurprising. He was the uncle of the king and had built up a reputation as a successful soldier during Henry's wars in Scotland in the 1540s. The transfer of power to Somerset was smooth, in part because Henry's death was kept quiet until Somerset had possession of Edward. There were also realistic arguments against a Regency Council of 16, where every member had an equal voice, as it was very unlikely that decisions would have been agreed upon, and it might also encourage even more factional unrest. However, this did not prevent some from questioning the, le the legality of his power, as it went against Henry's wishes, which only added to the potential for instability, as it could encourage others to challenge Somerset's dominance. Was Somerset's attempted coup of 1549 a threat to stability? As Lord Protector, Somerset was able to use the position to increase his personal wealth and power, which resulted in criticism from opponents and even former supporters. The Fall of Somerset Although the unrest in the countryside was put down, the ruling elite were concerned by the disorder. However, the personal style of Somerset's government also caused resentment, as Paget's letters reveal, and led to the formation of an anti-Somerset faction. This group had little in common except their dislike of Somerset's methods and policies, including, as it did, Warwick, Paget and Riothsley. Thomas Riothsley was opposed to the religious changes Somerset had brought in. Warwick may have been looking for the opportunity to advance his power, and the letters available show Paget's views and concerns. Support for Somerset and his policies declined, but according to a temporary chronicler, it was the events of the summer of 1549 that provided them with the opportunity to act. As Somerset lost his hold on power, he retreated to Hampton Court, where on the 5th of October he summoned loyal subjects to defend him and the King. He then moved to Windsor Castle on the 6th of October, taking Edward with him. However, Edward fell ill and complained of the cold surroundings. Claiming that he was a prisoner, Edward abandoned Somerset and stated that his uncle had threatened riots in the streets if he was removed from power. Even though Somerset denied this, he could not contradict the king and his fate was sealed and his removal and arrest followed within a week. However, the removal of Somerset did not guarantee the triumph of Warwick or end the struggle for power. The council contained a majority of religious conservatives who did not trust Warwick, 
he brought in his own allies and removed opponents, so that he had a Protestant majority on the council. But in early December there were rumours of a Catholic plot to remove Warwick, using the argument that he was a friend of Somerset. Warwick seized the opportunity and declared that any who attacked Somerset also attacked him. By January 1550, the leading Catholic members of the council, the Earls of Arundel and Southampton, had been dismissed and Warwick had been made Lord President of the council. He had also placed his own supporters in important positions around Edward to further secure his position. However, these developments had also forced Warwick to ally with the more religiously radical members of the council and would impact on religious developments. Once the Earl of Warwick, also known as the Duke of Northumberland, was secure, he attempted reconciliation with Somerset. Somerset was released from jail, his goods were restored, and his daughter married Northumberland's son. But most importantly, he was restored to court and the Privy Council. However, Somerset continued to plot, and this finally led to his execution. Despite the accusation against Somerset, there is evidence to suggest that some of the accusations were fabricated in order to justify his execution. So how seriously did the attempt to alter the succession in 1553 threaten dynastic security? In the early months of 1553, Edward VI's health began to deteriorate, and despite treatment, he continued to decline. According to the Succession Acts and Henry's will, the throne was to pass to Edward's half-sister Mary. However, during the spring and summer, a plot developed to alter the succession so as to exclude Mary. Most accounts of the events have suggested that the driving force behind the attempts to alter the succession was Northumberland, as it was essential if he was to preserve his power. As a result, he arranged the marriage of his son, Guilford Dudley, to Lady Jane Grey, which was followed soon after by a change in Edward's will to name Jane as his successor. However, there is evidence to suggest that the attempts to alter the succession were driven by Edward rather than Northumberland. Edward was certainly playing a much greater role in government, attending Privy Council meetings and setting some agendas. Northumberland was astute enough to recognise Edward's skills and was therefore quick to involve him in consultations and government. Edward was also committed to Protestantism, and it is possible that in order to preserve the religious reform programme, he wanted to exclude Mary. The succession was altered by the devise for the succession, first issued in May 1553. However, with Edward's health declining rapidly, the initial devise was of little use. There were no male heirs of the Grey family, and no possibility that any would be born before Edward died. Therefore, in early June, the devise was altered to make Jane the heir. Articles were drawn up, and councillors and other notable people were forced to sign them, so that they were committed to the scheme. It was only with the change in the device that Northumberland's importance was raised. When Guildford married Jane, she was not heir to the throne, 
and it can be argued that Northumberland was simply securing a good marriage for his son. However, the plot was poorly managed, which adds further weight to the view that it was not Northumberland's work. As an experienced soldier, it is likely that he would have ensured he had sufficient forces available to be able to ensure control, but instead he had dismissed his professional force in 1552. Moreover, he would have ensured that Mary was captured and unable to raise forces. Instead, she escaped to East Anglia. Finally, he would have launched a propaganda campaign to prepare the nation for the change in succession. Edward died on the 6th of July, but his death was kept quiet for two days before prominent men in London were forced to sign the devise, and the council ordered sheriffs and justices of nearby counties to raise forces. However, Mary was quick to respond to her brother's death. She proclaimed herself queen and sent letters to the privy council and towns informing them. Mary behaved as the rightful monarch and made it clear that any who opposed her were opposing the legitimate ruler. The question of legitimacy was important, particularly for the ruling classes, because if they supported an illegal claimant, all laws could be challenged and their right to their land could be questioned. It was in their interest to support the rightful ruler and avoid the potential for civil war and anarchy. This forced the Privy Council to respond to her letter claiming the throne. On the 10th of July, against her wishes, Jane was proclaimed Queen. Meanwhile, Mary had also proclaimed herself Queen in East Anglia. She issued proclamations, letters of summons, and finally asked the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V for help. It appeared as if the country was on the verge of civil war, as Mary was able to raise a large force. As a result, Northumberland lost his advantage and had to leave London to confront the challenge. His departure gave members of the Privy Council the chance to reconsider their views, having been forced to agree to the device, and most of them soon declared for Mary. Moreover, not only did Northumberland not gain support as he marched towards Mary, but many deserted, despite him raising their pay. In the end, Northumberland was forced to abandon his march towards Framlingham, Mary's base, and retreated to Cambridge, where he proclaimed Mary Queen. When she entered London at the end of the month, she was greeted with enthusiasm. Mary's triumph placed many who had originally supported the device in a difficult position, and they were soon writing to Mary to explain their actions. Mary soon released Gardner and Norfolk from jail and showed leniency towards many who had opposed her, with Paget joining the new Privy Council, although William Cecil was imprisoned. However, some others failed in their appeals to Mary despite letters similar to that of Cranmer. Mary had Northumberland, Lady Jane Grey and Guildford Dudley arrested and all were later executed. Northumberland was executed on the 22nd of August, despite his renunciation of Protestantism.